And we're live. Hail, hail. Good evening, folks, and welcome along to the Friday night show of the Endless Sales Podcast, episode 181. It's, uh, I'm Anthony, I'm be hosting tonight, and uh, with no midweek games to review, we decided this would be a good chance to take a wee trip down memory lane and do one of our Champions League Rewind series, something we've been doing all season, uh, just in paying tribute to the fact we were back in the tournament this year. Uh, to go back that we trip down memory lane uh, whenever we can and look at our um, efforts in the tournament in years gone by. And we're right in the middle of uh, the striking seasons uh, in this episode, season 2007-2008. It's a tale of penalty shootout drama, uh, qualifying for the last 16 uh, for the second year in a row and going toe-to-toe with the Catalan Giants in the knockout phase. And uh, I'm delighted to say, to talk all, but all that and much more, I'm delighted to be joined by our usual uh, panellist, Franny, is in the house tonight. How are you doing, mate? Aye, all good, all good. Uh, Friday night, it's the working week is finished, Anthony, and we're talking Celtic. I've managed to get myself a wee ticket for the football tomorrow as well again, so happy days. Excellent, happy Happy goalies all round. And our uh, very special guest uh, joining us tonight, a friend of the show, uh, a man who's been on a few times, we're always delighted to have him on. A man who's as talented with his typewriter as his namesake is with a ball at his feet. Uh, prominent Celtic blogger and CEO of the Celtic blog, Mr James Forrest. How are you doing tonight, mate? I'm good, mate. Thanks for having me on. Uh, uh, pleasure, mate. Always always happy to have you on. And uh, as I say, it's uh, we will possibly maybe do a wee touch on the, the, the St Mirren uh, Cup game tomorrow, but we thought, perfect chance to, to do a little bit of reminiscing tonight and like I say, we are uh, talking season 2007-2008, uh, guys. Um, sort of to try and set the scene, obviously Celtic had won uh, the league championship the previous season. Uh, they'd qualified for the last 16 for the first time that year. And um, they'd be the first team to qualify for the last 16 and win the league in the same season. A few have managed no fewer than three times, uh, other than the side, of course, that done it. Oh, of course, they done it first and then finished third in a two-horse race. So if that's uh, that's something to shout about, then good for them. Um, and before I go any further, of course, welcome along everybody in the comments as well. Um, if you want to just get involved in the show, um, batter in, all your comments will come up and uh, we'll bring them up as uh, as we go along. Franco's in charge of that uh, this evening. But um, as champions, we only had to play one qualifier uh, that year, Franny, and it was against very tough side Spartak Moscow. And uh, the away leg was getting played first uh, on an artificial pitch in the Moscow heat. It was uh, a night probably a lot of us were dreading, giving some of our away for him in the tournament. However, we rallied. Uh, we actually took the lead uh, through a cracking header from Paul Hartley and uh, to, to put us in good stead. Spartak Moscow did equalise, but Celtic held out and went back to Glasgow with a very credible uh, 1-1 draw. And uh, you could say the scene was set for quite an epic night at Paradise uh, in the Decider. Uh, it was, it was a per- and I said it's a perfect result in the sense you, you go and get a, a score draw away from home in Europe uh, and the, your sort of opening qualifier. I think it was actually Paul Hartley's first actual goal for Celtic. I'm not, I could be wrong, but I think it was. Um, but uh, it was just, it's, Kind of what you, when you go away from home, I suppose in any knockout tie, you want you want something to play for when you come back to to the second leg at Parkhead. So 
I guess at the start of the game, we'd have all probably just taken like a wee 1-0 or a 2-1 defeat at the end of the day because you're still well within it. We knew how good our record was at Parkhead, especially in Europe and stuff. So to actually come away with a 1-1, which essentially forced, because obviously the, the away goal was a thing back then. I know it's in recent years it's dropped out. Um, so it was good to to get that. And then it obviously it forces Spartak to really come out in the, the, the second leg, but I, it set up for what an absolute amazing night uh, at Parkhead, and I, I, I think it was a week or two, I think it was a week later. Uh, it certainly was, and uh, James, obviously, Scott McDonald uh, was rather infamous amongst the Celtic support uh, prior to that summer, obviously his goals at Fir Park in 2005 uh, denied us the, the league championship, but um, Gordon Strachan certainly seen something in him to bring him to the club uh, in the summer, much to, you know, shall we say, it was a very a split decision uh, amongst the, the support. Um, some were just of the opinion that they would, would never forgive him for what happened in the summers before. Others took the notion that, well, he's in a Celtic jersey now, let's get behind him. I suppose if there's one way you want to make up uh, for past mistakes, getting a, getting us off to, a, to get, giving us the lead in that match to create Poacher's goal, uh, it was the right way to go about it. I um and he had to make a good start because I was one of the people who was greeting my face off about signing him and was really <laughs> really pissed off about it. I, th- I thought it was an insult to all of us who had Black Sunday etched on our souls. Um, I, th- I couldn't believe it. I thought it was terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was exceptional for that whole season. He scored mm-hmm. a lot of important goals that season, but it was important that he scored an early one, and he and he did. Didn't he? We were off and running, and he actually had a great—he actually had a great campaign mm. after he, you know, got his feet under him. And, and, he, and as I say, probably the most important first goal a Celtic mm. scored in a long, long, long time. Mm. Well, that was that, and obviously, even you could even sense it amongst the support, um, or certainly at least the ones watching it on telly. Um, the first thing he did when he scored was was kiss the badge, and uh, you know, to be fair, it was something he did a lot um, <laughs> afterwards. As I say, any any reservations we may have had, a lot of it did kind of wipe away um, when that goal went in. But of course, one of our, our favourite sons, uh, signing from the year before, Jan Venegor, missed a penalty um, later on in that match. Uh, an extra time, no less, um, when Spartak were down to 10 men. Um, and the sides couldn't be split. 1-1 in Moscow, 1-1 at Celtic Park. And the dreaded penalty shootout awaited Franny. Um, Celtic had never won a penalty shootout in Europe up until then and uh, when Nakamura missed the second penalty um, we thought it was going to be like pretty much the same old story however Titov then missed uh, Spartak's second penalty and uh, Jan Venegor made up for his mess uh, in, in extra time Derek Riordan of all people uh, scored one like, an absolute cracking penalty for her fourth Magic Zarowski picked to put away the last one uh, Pavlichenko and uh, I want to say Weinstaver, um, you know, put their penalties away for Moscow. So it, left to, it was left to Kavlachenko to try and keep them in it. If they missed, Celtic were in the promised land and the holy goalie came up trumps again and uh, qualification was secured. Uh, it was what a night. Like, that was my third season as a season tackle done. Like I was up the other end, like my seat was up the other end of the park and stuff, pretty much in the pen, in line with the penalties. But so you've got a great, great view for the penalties, and I can remember Nakamura's one. As soon as he missed that, obviously it's, uh, it's early on in the penalty shots. 
it's one of them if you're going to mass, you obviously want the earlier the better because you have more chance to get in it. But it's it's a guy you'd have put your house on scoring when you consider his his ability for set set pieces. Um I mean, I of memory, I can remember him pointing saying it was the line. As I said, I was at the other end of the stadium. You, I could tell for there it was the other line. <laughs> uh, you just knew if he, his reaction wasn't even convincing himself. I don't think he struggled to convince himself. I think it was actually the line. But I, I think obviously go back to like the extra time when Hesling misses a penalty. You're like, oh, it's it's just not going to happen. And then the one he actually scores in the penalty shoot is absolutely mm-hmm. ridiculous. I think he puts it right in the top corner. Zarafsky's yeah. penalty is brilliant. It? Rardin's penalty was actually really good. That yeah. I think, if I'm right, Rardin came on pretty late, and I think that was one of the Strachan just brought him on for a penalty. Mm. Played for penalties, brought him on, could could trust him, and came up trumps. And the the one that obviously the, the second the second one Moscow missed was an absolute terrible terrible penalty. And to be one the deciding one wasn't a great one either. But it's had has to obviously guess the right way. It's one of the ones if it goes the right way, he's getting it. It's not it's a decent height for the keeper. There's there's no pace behind it. And I just as soon as he scored that, the place just went absolutely Boris done like a wee dance, I think his horns went like that or something, the wee jazz hands. Mm-hmm. And uh, I could just remember Parkhead was absolutely bouncing that night. It was one of the best one of the best atmospheres I can remember after that penalty shootout. It, it certainly was and uh were you, were you at the match there yourself that night, James? Uh, or did you so where did you watch it? What's your sort of memories of uh, it? Franny says a uh, bit of a crazy atmosphere. Aye, that's a weird season for me, that one. Um because I had missed I gave up my season ticket a few years before to go and do the uni thing in Stirling, and I wasn't gonna get back for every game. And that should have been my first season back at Selic Park. And I ended up working night shifts. Nearly every night that the Champions League games were on, I think I saw three of them when I wasn't working, and the rest of them I was at work. And I watched that one in a pub in Hamilton. To this day, I still can't remember the name yet, but (laughs) that's probably the most emotionally exhausted I think I have ever been in my life at at the end of that game. When we when they missed the the last penalty and we scored those, I think. It's the most emotionally exhausted I can ever remember being, because that entire game was a roller coaster of emotion. It was just incredible. I remember Venegar's penalty miss like it was yesterday, and honestly, <laughs> the stress and the tension of that was—I hate penalty shootouts as a result. I've never, I've never enjoyed them. I can't enjoy them, and that one was especially bad. <laughs> I must admit. I think I wow. spent most of it like that. <laughs> Listen, I think uh, most of us just watch the shootouts between the gaps in our fingers but thankfully on the night uh, Celtic triumphed and uh, I think over the two legs we were the better team to be fair although I do accept I am biased but that opened the riches uh, the promised land was secured and we were in Group D and uh, for the first time in our history we were amongst all previous friends uh, teams that we'd faced in previous campaigns the top one from Port A AC Milan, reigning European champions at the time, beat Celtic, obviously, in the last 16 on their way to winning the tournament uh, the season before. Our old friends from Portugal, Benfica, were in pot two. Celtic were, again, the pot three side, um, a place a position we were quite accustomed to in, in those times. And big spending, Shakhtar Donetsk, were the pot four side. Uh, so, opening game, I suppose we were all quite happy to get this one out of the way, Franny. Um, away, 
uh, to Shakhtar opening match. But we were quite confident the way that you know we built up enough European experience that this might be the first time we get a point um, of some sort on the board on opening night. And eight minutes later, we were 2 0 down and just hoping it wasn't going to turn into an embarrassment. I suppose the only positive you can take for the game is we kept it 2 0 and um, we'll have to fight another day. The goal difference um, didn't get too too severe. Uh, it was one of them. I think obviously the the qualifying game away to Spartak, it gave you a wee bit of belief that maybe you can go away from home, get, some, get a positive result. Like you said, a draw would have been a positive result. Opening day away from home, take a draw all day long and get out of there um, but obviously just try to win it's, it's the bottom the, the pot 14 but we all knew Shakhtar weren't a bad team and I think I don't it might still be the same over in Ukraine but they just seem to hear I, I don't know if it was around about the time when they got a lot they seemed to hear a lot of the oil money but there was a mad influx of like Brazilian players because yeah. I think it was like the the way the work permits worked over there it was wasn't really work permit issues so to speak uh, but uh, it was just that guy. Like I think it was Brown had a bad back pass, and McManus or called. I think it was McManus had a, another bad touch, and Brando. It was just one of them. He just always seemed to score against us, and mm. it was one of the players for a couple of seasons. It was never ever got a challenge for like the the Brazil squad, but it was. It just seemed to be that just that level below, but a top kind of European class type of striker. Never got to go to the top, but it was of a good level. He might have managed to secure himself a big money move on the back of a decent season, but uh, it was just early doors. And then I think it was Luca Telly, the boy's name, scores a, scores a header as well. Boric has no chance with either goal. And like you see, it's eight minutes in, you're like, oh no, this is this could be a this opening night. And you could, the wind could have just been absolutely taken right out of the campaign if you ended up getting scudded, maybe like a Bratislava for a few years ago, like a, a four or five, nothing if. That happens opening day the, the campaign, you're like, oh, what are we up against here? Now that's just maybe the bottom team. Absolutely scuddies of other parts. So I like you say, Anthony, I suppose one of the positives you regrouped to an extent and just played out the game and kept it kept it reasonable after that, I suppose, and put it to bed and just looked forward to the next game. Yeah, I mean it's obviously that the, the, the final points total that we'll get to nearer on, it meant that you know we weren't sort of we weren't relying on goal difference, James, but thankfully it just was something that we didn't, you know, as, as I said earlier, that really could have got away from us that night, the way we were playing. I think, like, as, as Franny says, both centre-halves, it was a... McManus and Cogba were a reasonably secure partnership for most of the time at the time at Celtic, but there was always, I felt, this underlying issue that the supporters kind of thought they were, they were just sort of a few games away from, that, from their next blunder, and it seemed that two of them happened in the same time that night, but I always remember also as well, Mark Wilson and Lee Naylor, um, the fullbacks having a particularly bad night that night, especially in the first half. But um, I suppose if, you, if you'd if you said that you would lose 2 nothing after the ninth minute of that game, you probably would have taken it. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, but, and I mean, it was one of those, they were one of the teams that I really didn't want us to get because we had played them, I think it was a couple of years before, Um and they gave us a doing earlier. I mean, I think they won three nothing. I think it was nothing at half time, but we were lucky to get in on each at half time, and they just destroyed us in the second half. I remember watching that and and Stirling and being absolutely aghast by how good they were, or how bad we were watching. Our <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, really. Um, and I just, they, they were one of the teams that I wanted just to avoid. The, the trip on its own is, it, 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 I've heard all sorts of nightmare stories. Um, for fans who'd been in, the team we got there and were exhausted and all that, and I thought, right, well, just know them. And then we got them, of course, along with Benfica, who'd beat us the year before quite comfortably. Um, aye, and it was two goals straight away in the game. Unforgivable, and you're thinking, oh, this is this could be this could be how many tonight. This could be an embarrassment. And yeah, we would all took two on at that point. Gladly, happily. Got out alive and not so much well, but alive anyway. Aye. They were a tricky prospect. I knew they would I knew they would give us a game. I did not want to get them. Well, that, uh, you, you're spot on. Um, as you say, Fran, it was definitely around the time where they were, shall we say, oil rich with the tycoon uh, money yeah. and they were buying a lot of um, superstar players. And um, But one of the things what was always kind of apparent under Strachan, but as much as you didn't know what was going to happen away from home, you were always guaranteed um, a fighting performance at Celtic Park, James. And um, oh, after yeah. the disappointment of match night one, came one of the most memorable nights in Celtic Park history. I feel it's one of those results that kind of go under the radar a little bit after the way, you obviously, you think of Barcelona or maybe even the Juventus game from our first ever campaign, uh, nights like that. And obviously the Seville run, of course, it was the AFA Cup, not the Champions League. But I think when you think of the games against the sort of likes of Liverpool, etc., sometimes a lot of fans do forget that we actually beat the European champions that night um, in AC Milan, who were... An absolute top top dog team at that point. Yep, yep. And um, you might be right in terms of that. It's one of the results that kind of fell under the radar, but it's one of the games that I'll remember forever. I watched that in Birds. It was the last game I think I ever watched in Birds. The last I knew for uni called Gemma McConville. And evening, Gemma. <laughs> about the gallery all day, trying to find somewhere good to watch it. And she hadn't been in Birds for years, and she said, we'll watch it now. That would not have been my first choice, but <laughs> it ended up a really special night. The whole night was incredible, and, of course, Scotty McDonald <laughs> making up for Had you forgiven him by that point? Well, he, he certainly was forgiven that night. Um, that was an amazing <laughs> night. That, 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 that whole game was amazing. I remember writing a book that night. It was tremendous. Um, it's, it's one of the games that, honestly, as as a proper cherished memory for me. It was just a great experience. I wish I'd been at the game, but no, if, if I was going to watch anywhere, the Gallagher was the best place to watch it because the atmosphere was tremendous. It was uh, it was magical. As you say, beating the European champions, that was something special. I think as well, Franny, I mean, of course, I remember there was tales of the AC Milan fans being up the, the Gallagher that night. Of course, Celtic have got a great connection historically with, with Inter Milan, but of course in the and the sort of social makeup of Milan, um, AC tend to be more the team that the working class support. It's not an exact science, of course, but the the AC Milan fans definitely made themselves at home uh, that day. And there's quite a few great stories there that you know fans interacting with each other and stuff. Um, unfortunately, one of our fans maybe interacted a little bit too much with Dida at the one and goal, but uh, thankfully. Um, you know, he, 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 you know, he loved to tell the tale that he wasn't decapitated like he acted like he had been when um, when the fan ran on. Not that we condone that, but he definitely his behaviour was over the top. But another another uh, amazing memory at Fortress Parkhead beating the European champions. 
Uh, was I, before I before I say it, I know it's obviously in the comments, guys like uh, Phil and Mark Kearney and our very old boys, boys. On the, they're on the on the hangway. Boise, if anybody's watching, he's got a charity single coming out at Christmas called Boise's Wish. Oh, it better be good. It better be good. That's what I'm saying. If he's drafting up the new, it better be good. It better be good. Tremendous, man. Uh, oh, it's a charity single as well. It's a charity single as well. So it's, it's for, Oh, well, like, we all need, need to purchase that. Absolutely. <laughs> it's all good. Definitely. Um, then, boys. I know. I know. Uh, but uh, that game, absolutely amazing. One of, one of my best mates. Like, the Barcelona 2 1 game is. That and St. Johnston when we stopped the tenor, my two yeah. offhand, two favourite memories of football. One, St. Johnston game, because it was the first time, I think I was 13, 14 at the time, first title I can remember Celtic actually properly winning. Went to nearly every game with my dad, so I was actually there with my dad as well. So to win, the, to remember them, my first title and I'm there with my dad was absolutely brilliant. The Barcelona game, again, simply I was there with my sister and I think Ross, for some mad reason couldn't they make it because it was me and my sister and Ross had the season tickets together mm-hmm. and so my dad got it my dad's the ultimate glory hunter he's Celtic Man United <laughs> Barcelona ultimate glory hunter <laughs> but I got the pleasure to take my dad along to see arguably Barcelona's greatest ever team and then it was just a great night for him because he gets to see that and then he sees Barcelona and sees us win it so I think just cause if it wasn't for who was that we met that football this game would probably be the top game, but it's probably saying that's probably the, the third game when you consider this was AC Milan, Kaka at his pomp and things like that. It was just, Maldini just, I think he was in his pomp for his full career, so it was one of them. I think <laughs> Nesta, Nesta was there at the time as well, but Magide just had him on toast. But uh, it was just the the whole the whole game, you, obviously, did we... I think we went up one though that I McManus bundled a goal in at the back post, eh? Then obviously Kaka yep. scored a penalty. Did Kaka score a penalty? It was a penalty, aye. Aye, yeah. Kaka, then obviously Scott McDonald. Another I penalty, think... by the way. Just, just I know. you said they can't remember. It's a, it's up there with the Juventus one that we lost over in, in Turin. It's it's an awful penalty. Never <laughs> uh, uh, oh no, it was running. I knew that I remember. I just one of them. It was they were always got to get it. They were always got to get it. Um. But just that, I think I was similar to James there. It was that was the moment I think I forgave Scott McDonald. It was one of the ones I was like, right, this guy, he is, it's, was one of them. The guy was doing his job at the end of the day for Motherwell. But <laughs> obviously, he, he scored the goal again. Obviously, I'm up at the other end of the stadium for then. I'm like, do you see? Obviously, obviously, we're, we're celebrating me, Ross, and uh, Nick at the time, we've just gone absolutely nuts. And so he didn't actually obviously realise what happened with Dida. You just see him down. Mm-hmm. And obviously there wasn't a melee in the box. It was Caldwell was like, no, it wasn't that. I can't remember how it broke in the box, but then Scott Brown obviously laid it off. So, was it Donati in the shot or something? Just a wee shot and then it just broke to... Caldwell takes the shot and then it just saves it and it breaks it. And McDonald taps it in. And then, so obviously we've just gone mental at that time and stuff. And then... He's just the next time when you've kind of the stadium's calmed down, you can just see Dida lying on the ground, the referees up everywhere. You're like, oh no, surely it's no offside. And there's been a wee melee that we've happened and mm-hmm. seen that, and he's been whacked, and somebody's got to get sent off. You're like, because it was not until I think after the game, you have the raid, obviously, you see the goals given because mm-hmm. we're looking over 
the official think he might still his flag up, not got a clue what has gone on. And then obviously social media, his name, I don't you you struggle to get an internet signal in Park Hedden now, so you you'd had no chance in two thousand seven <laughs> anyway getting anything. So obviously up here we had no clue what is actually why this delay is. You see Dida going off on a stretch and you're like, What the hell has actually happened here? But then the goal's given, you're like, Well, whatever's happened, I'm not actually caring. They're now taking their goalkeeper <laughs> off with, with minutes to go. And it, so it was not until you actually you're listening to the radio on the way home, you hear like a Celtic fans came on and attacked them. That as it was portrayed on the I mean they has attacked them. It was portrayed, yeah. It's portrayed mm-hmm. as attacked. I suppose legally did. Legally did. Legally I did. I suppose in a court of law legally did attack him, but uh, when you actually got home and you see the highlights, you're like the actual embarrassment of him to actually go off. Oh, and, I mean, to go off on a stretcher after that. And you actually see him, like obviously just taps him on the cheek. Adida initially runs after him and then falls down. But like, <laughs> yeah. it absolutely does. It, it total doubles down and gets a stretcher and everything. And then he just goes all in, all in. You're like, well. As, as our good pal would say on the Boise bus, don't back uh, down, double down. Oh, it totally has, man. Totally has. Yeah. Uh, well, from that, we were off and running in, in the group, uh, James. So it was us three points um, from the opening two games, which was pretty much our usual um, to take back in the day. Um, we then went on to match nights three and four, um, revert back-to-back games against the Portuguese giants Benfica. And just like the year before, the scoreline um, of the first leg was returned in the second one. It was a 3-0, one for Celtic in 2006-07, followed swiftly by the same result over there. And it was very much the same case in this group. So again, keeping those goal um, concessions down. So it's one of those things you got to um, you got to give the defence, I suppose, great credit for. We didn't play especially great over in Benfica, but we were doing enough, it looked like, to get a precious point until Cardozo scored with just two, three minutes to go um, to break our hearts. But then in the second leg at Celtic Park, uh, again, a match where Benfica, you could argue, were a lot in the ascendancy. Um, but Aid McGeady, with one of his best performances in a Celtic jersey, twist and turn most of the nights, constantly pressed um, the, the full-back up on the other side. And uh, he got duly rewarded with a, go- a scrappy goal, but they all count right on half-time. And managed to hold out for an end, another precious three points um, at Celtic Park. So, in terms of going against the pot two side versus the pot three, even Stevens after 180 minutes. I, I, I remember I watched the first game at home and the second mm-hmm. in work. Um, I was working in the, in the hostels and I was working in a place in Partick that I think had 11 residents in it. <laughs> and so <laughs> most of the shift involved just sitting, watching the telly and waiting to see if they needed anything. So watching the football was no hassle. The guy was working, he was a good Celtic man. Um, he, he actually kept my spirits up for that entire campaign when I thought that we lost the league. He, he was the only person I knew who kept on telling me, we'll still win this, don't you worry, we'll still win this. We'll call this back. Even when it was like... 11 points, 12 points, or whatever it was, banged. Mm-hmm. He kept on saying we've done it. But I watched the second game with him and the first one at home, and I'm glad I watched the first one at home because that is the most... It was horribly frustrating to lose that late goal. I'd, I'd seen us do it a couple of times. Um, did we not lose a late one in Barcelona? Yeah. 
to lose. We, we lost a late one in Munich. Um, thanks to big Marcus Edmund, if I remember. Horrendous goal it was. Um, and so and you, you, you would think you become accustomed to seeing us shooting ourselves in the foot like that. That was epically frustrating that night. Because we've got a doing earlier there the season before. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking to yourself, right, we've got three points. This is a massive result if we get this tonight. And mm-hmm. we couldn't cause it, really. <laughs> He'd banging against the wall. But the, the second one was a lot better. That was, that was a good night at all. Even though I had to watch it and work. Uh, well, that's it for any, as I say, there's nothing worse. I remember, Robert, uh, the, the campaign, two, three campaigns before that, the year we had Barca and AC in the group, I worked back shift at the time and there was no tells. You were like list, basically listening to, it was real radio at the time, um, just waiting on the scores coming through. Mm-hmm. Never forget when we were drawn in the San Siro. Um, Stan Varga had equalised and then we heard we'd lost two goals in the 88th and 90th minute, man. Absolutely sickening. But, uh, Franny, what's your, your sort of own memories over the, 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 as I say, not much action in any of the two matches, but spoil shared and uh, another three points on the board. Uh, it was obviously the way, the way like it was, it was, it, but I see both of them were, weren't necessarily great, great, great games, but very, I think it was just well, both teams kind of managed it and weren't really going for it. And obviously the, the away game, you're sitting thinking, as it drags on you, like this might be the point that we, we really need. Because again, like you say, although we've only had the one game at Parkhead, it's, you've got three points against AC Milan. You've got the two, what are perceived, the two lesser teams uh, from that at home. And our home records, you're almost banking on the six points. Like you said, it was always, where are we going to pick that point? Where we, and then you're sitting going, this could be it because off memory, like I did try to find some clips on YouTube, but had a nightmare trying to find anything on both these games. But uh, I don't remember Boric really having to make any top class saves. I don't remember as being under the cost equal. I don't remember as pepper their goal. And then it was just, it felt like same old Celtic, but I can just remember that feeling like you either conceded two, two like an early goal. To absolutely kill you away from home, or yeah. that inevitable late goal came. Um, but uh, then it, you just go to the, the home leg, and you've just got to try and right the wrong, if you like. And uh, it was it was a fairly dominant performance, I think, by us again. But obviously, Benfica, any European team, are going to have their chances. But then I just remember when Guidi cutting in. Like there was a wee spell on the track, and he was absolutely brilliant in European nights. Just seemed to seemed to shine. Then it would come to like big games in the SPL, and he would absolutely toil. I can remember him like like you say, would he take guys like Nesta, Maldini, and the likes on toast, and then cut Broadfoot with him in his back pocket. And you're like, this is <laughs> just doesn't make sense, mate. Doesn't make sense. Uh, but I just it cuts in and. He liked to do that a lot, like just cutting in for the left and taking a strike on. They take a strike on, you get you get a lucky break. It takes an absolute wicked deflection and goes in the opposite corner. But it's one of them, you've got to buy a ticket to, to win the lottery, really. And that's what he the shot. And sometimes you need that wee bit of luck. So it was, like you say, it was even Stevens over the two legs and it kept us well within the group. Uh, it certainly did, and there'll be more about Megidi uh, later on when we pay tribute to to one of our greatest sons. Uh, he was very much the one of the focal points of the 2008 campaign. But uh, Franny, you were talking. I'm going to come straight back to you because you were talking about uh, late goals there. 
Um, as late goals come, they don't come more dramatic than the late winner in this next match. Match night five, Shakhtar Donetsk, Celtic Park, our final home game uh, of the group stage. And basically, we absolutely had to, to win to give ourselves any chance of qualifying. Thankfully, beating Benfica gave us a good, decent chance um, of at least making the UEFA Cup. But the fact that Shakhtar were going to be at home to Benfica um, in the, the final group game and we were away AAC mm. meant that we were still very much in the media, the underdogs. And maybe around this time, you could it's understandably so, just given uh, the way the group had been panning out. And uh, we lost an early an early goal to Brandao. It was actually a mistake by our current assistant manager, John Kennedy. He'd obviously made his, his long-weighted return from the horrific injury uh, three yeah. years before. But sadly for John, it never really kind of quite worked out. And I actually believe this was definitely one of the last games he actually ever played for Celtic. Um, but we rallied um, and we had a great equaliser by um, Yuri Yarasek right on the stroke of half-time. Great time to get it. Again, great play by Scott McDonald um, to take draw the defender away, giving Yarisic that space, and um, it absolutely unleashes an unstoppable volley into the far corners. One of one of my favourite Celtic Champions League goals, I have to say, it was right up. I was sitting in one 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 in those mm-hmm. days, and uh, yeah, absolute absolute bedlam, and uh, we absolutely huffed and puffed uh, the second half. Just didn't think we were going to break them down. I was at um, an evening with Gordon Strachan a couple of weeks ago. It was one of these, his life in football nights at, uh, at Lanark Town Hall. And a Celtic supporter asked him if he, if he could bottle just any one moment um, or even one game uh, of his time at Celtic, what would he remember most? And he did say sort of overall was obviously um, meeting and, you know, but, you know, but forging a friendship with, with, with Tommy. But in terms of a match itself, he said it would probably be this game because apparently the Shakhtar bench they were time they were instructing the players to time waste because a draw very much suited them. Um, they were very, you know, antagonising the referee and instructing the players to sort of you know, give away cheap fouls to frustrate us. And uh, Gordon says it was one of the few times he really lost his cool celebrating uh, at the end of the match. He went um, absolutely, you know, took, took, took great delight, shall we say, <laughs> in winding them up um, with the end result. But. Again, that man, Aidan McGeady, just flinging a ball across a, a sort of a Hail Mary, as they call it in American football. And getting on the end of it was uh, a summer signing, Massimo Donati, who just struck a foot out, took a deflection, but it was enough to take it away for the keeper. Cue utter bedlam in the stands. Oh, it was brazen head, but I watched it as well. So not one of the nights I'll never forget. Amazing. But you're, you're doing all right remembering nights when you seem to be in a lot of pubs. Mm. <laughs> Aye, right. there's, there's, there is a pattern development there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, really big nights, if I can't be at Celtic Park, I like to be in the pub. The really, uh, really big class. ones. The atmosphere, you can't beat the atmosphere in a yeah. good room. Uh, I that night I was, was amazing, Anthony, because... Like I say, pretty much secured his last 16. It was, it was given us a really good chance of being the last 16. Uh, the uh, Champions League, but it also the one guaranteed as uh, UEFA Cup football. Anyway, yeah. so guaranteed that that kind of getting European football after Christmas, what they all talk about and stuff. So, and then to do to win any game in that sort of manner is always brilliant. But coming back for 1 0 against a pretty, a really good team. At the big table in the Champions League, 
Like say Yaris, it was just a four or just after half time he scored that. I feel like it was just a four because I think it was at just Mayan. before, yeah, right on the stroke at half time. Yeah, also yep. shot to Martin. It was it was a similar angle for like maybe similar to Taylor's against Livingston. The angle that he was yeah. standing at, then but it just maybe even a wee bit of tighter angle and just somehow rifles one into the the top top bins at the opposite end. And I think that's our very own Stephen. I think that's where his love for Yarisic began because. He, he loves it somewhere and then like say I it was one of the one the, the winning goal McGeady just digs a cross out for nowhere isn't it a brilliant cross in all fairness but then it breaks out to Donati and something to McGeady just takes a shot you're, you have you've been putting them under a bit of pressure and everybody's counting the box out. I feel like apart from Boris probably everybody everybody was up that end of the park within about 20 yards out, uh, outside the Shakhtar the goal, so as one of the ones, if Denati can get a clean enough strike, if he can get the strike he wants, it's it's pro, it's a goal, a sense of it. But it is clever, I think, whether it's intentional, as I don't think it's a misket, but his side foot is a controlled shot, which I think was clever in the sense that, like the ball breaks to you, dying seconds of the game, names and lights, you could absolutely rifle that, then it's in row Z, but he controls it, plays it on the ground. It has got to take a wee bit of luck to get through all that that level of body uh, players and still hit the target and go in. But as luck would have it, it takes a deflection and, and kind of loops a wee bit in. And it's, it's just that one, just a nice controlled shot, gets the luck that he deserved. And aye, the place was absolutely, absolutely nuts, Anthony. Absolutely nuts. It sure was. I ended up about five rows in front of me that night, mate. It was absolutely, Aye. absolute pandemonium. But it's uh, they're just the right kind of pandemonium. And James, like we were saying earlier, that result gave us a, a good chance of qualifying for the group. But it was also meant that we'd um, taken nine points for nine uh, in the group stage at home that year. And um, scarily enough, just when I was looking back through notes, it's actually the last time um, where Celtic have done that. Um, won all three games in the in the group phase of the tournament. Hopefully, we understand, you know, football's changed dramatically, even since this campaign, you know, yeah. um, but we have to say that it's something that we, whilst we might not get back to nine points for nine anytime soon, it's hopefully something that we can build on. We, we had some good performances in the tournament this year. Hopefully, we can um, turn those good performances into results uh, in seasons to come. That was the only thing that, I it was the only kind of silver lining I took for Brendan Rogers leaving um, was that our performances in Europe had to improve because mm-hmm. Fortress Parkhead simply did not apply when he was there at all. <laughs> and, that, and back in the days, you just every team was terrified to come to Celtic Park. Didn't matter who they were in Europe, they were all terrified to Celtic Park because we had beaten everybody there and. Um, Within a few years, it was no more, unfortunately. And you're right. I mean, part of it is the fact that European football has changed a lot. But part of it is just that we went through a spell where we just... Uh, the great European record that we spent years assembling was dismantled pretty quickly. It so, certainly was. Like you say, it can, it, these uh, things that can take so long to build can be can be taken away um, very quickly um, if things aren't aren't progressing um, off the park. But as we say, Franco, that result gave us still an outside chance of qualifying because we had to 
All we needed apparently was a point against the European champions, no mean feat, <laughs> um, which unfortunately we didn't manage in the last game. We didn't really lay a glove on AC Milan at all um, in that match. I don't even recall even there being much of a half chance that night in the San Siro. However, our good pals from Portugal done us a massive favour as they surprisingly um, went away from home and defeated Shakhtar 2-1, which put Shakhtar from, at the time, second place down into fourth, and Celtic qualified uh, in second place with, with nine points, and um, infamously reported by Super Scoreboard at full time that Celtic, and I swear to God this is true, Celtic failed to qualify for the UEFA Cup as they sneaked in to the last 16 via the back door. Um, how, how finishing second qualifies as the back door? <laughs> I, I, I just thought that's the rules of the, the competition. But uh, yeah, safe to say the uh, the mainstream media were absolutely fizzing. And they wonder why we don't like them. Eh? I exactly. <laughs> wonder why we're, we're maybe caused paranoid. Is that how you report getting qualifying for the last six? I couldn't believe it. Failed fail to qualify for the UEFA Cup. Have you, you ever heard the likes of it? That's funny. I know. But I, I, I can't remember much of the game, Anthony, but I think I think as a Celtic person myself, I was more focused on the other game because our away record wasn't great in Europe, mm-hmm. albeit in the UEFA Cup or Champions League. It wasn't great. So I think, realistically, doubt you were sitting going, it's all on, although IC Milan were qualified, and I don't think they could finish at anything but top mm-hmm. in the last day, day there. So there might have been a wee bit of you going, well, maybe they'll be... Maybe they'll not be fully at it, but like I said, there's European champions. These players are always at it, even though I don't think they rested many. I don't think, if any, but even though they're, they're sort of second string or top, top players. But I think for me anyway, and probably a lot of the, lot of the fan base, it was, well, we're cheering on Benfica that day. Nah, they're, they're, we've always classed them as the good guys. <laughs> they're, 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 a, they're a good mob. Uh, and James, as, as, as Fanny says, AC Milan couldn't, but were always finishing top at that point. The final group standings on the, um, after the six games were AC Milan uh, qualified first uh, with 13 points. Uh, Celtic with nine uh, went in the back door um, to, the, uh, <laughs> to the knockout phase. Uh, Benfica finished on seven and Shakhtar um, finished with six points, so went out of Europe um, altogether. So there we were for the second year in a row in the last 16 of the Champions League. We thought it was just going to, this was fast becoming the norm. Um, unfortunately, it's only happened once since. But um, credit to Celtic. We hoped for a half-decent draw that we could maybe get through the glass ceiling into the quarterfinals. And there we were, drawn against uh, the Barcelona team that was fast becoming its way to being a pretty decent side, shall we say. Um but believe it or not, in the, in the knockout phase, we actually took the league twice in the opening match at Celtic Park. First through Jan Benegoda Hesselink after 15 minutes, which uh, a little guy called, um, well, I think, I can't remember his name, I've got it here, Lionel Messi. What January signing, Barry Robson continued that trait oh, of yes. only touching the ball once but scoring a goal. Um, he was the, the Yakimakis of his day. Put us 2-1 up at, at half time, but um, the Catalan Giants did show their class in the, the second leg, uh, the, sorry, the second half, and uh, eventually ran out 3-2 winners. They were also one up after two minutes uh, in the new camp, and similar to Shakhtar uh, in the opening night, we thought this could be this could be a real sore one. But <laughs> incredibly, 
the match only finished one nil, and yeah. we went out four two, um, respectively on aggregate. But uh, all in all, we we were definitely competitive in in that match against Barcelona, especially the first game. I, I definitely. I remember us taking the lead twice. <laughs> 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 I, I remember that Henri scored one, and I remember being mesmerised to watch this player who everybody was talking about. Um, mm. That guy you mentioned, his name escapes me. Um, <laughs> it, 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 it was evident watching him that night that you were watching the formation of a proper global football icon. Um, mm. And I think I think it was Guardiola's first season as manager. Mm. And so his ideas were only just starting to be put into place. But you could see what they were trying to do and you could kind of see the direction travel was going to be was going to be something special, but he he was immense that night. It's one of the most complete football performances I think I've ever seen a, a player give against us. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the other ones being <coughs> he's, uh, he's Brazilian <coughs> Barcelona later on, who I don't want to mention. But I am, it's one of the profoundly good experiences to watch an mm-hmm. opposing player. Even if he is pulling you apart, because you could, you could just see the quality the guy had, and you knew he was going to be special, really, really special, like out the top draw special. I, I didn't, I don't know if we realised we were watching the greatest of all time special, but mm-hmm. you could tell he was going to be in that bracket that everybody would be talking about for years. Yeah, he certainly. Um, he turned out no bad, shall we say? And Prania, <laughs> uh, it's just sort of your own kind of thought, your memories of the, us taking them on that night. As I say, it felt, it felt for a while that it was a almost like an event that we didn't feel out of place. I don't think Celtic ever really do feel out of place in the big nights in Europe, but it just felt great taking the league twice against, but really taking it to them because we we did know that this side, you could see quite clearly that they were become, they've always been a massive club, of course, but you could tell that they were going into a right sort of purple patch in their, in their history. Um, and obviously the following year they won the, 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 their own, own treble, you know, the La Liga, um, Copa del Rey and the Champions League as well. They stopped Manchester United for being the first team to win two in a row and that was a, a great Man United side as well, but they made them look very ordinary the year after. Um, but yeah, it, it was a, a night where we more than gave um, a good account of ourselves just over the two legs. We just couldn't quite do it. Uh, the f- obviously, the first leg was... I think it's like it's one of the ones when it gets to that stage. You want you probably prefer first leg to be at home to try and make an impact with your home record um, and stuff. But I uh, I can remember I was just similar to James buzzing to go to the game because I'd never like Arsenal were kind of my English team that I liked following because it was when we got Sky Wenger had kind of came in your own reason all the petites over my started to come. So I was, I'd never actually seen Henri live, so I was I was desperate for him to be starting. As silly as that sounds, I was desperate for him to be starting. Um, and then obviously Ronaldinho, who pff, the guy just always played football with a smell. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, there was the, the stories about Messi, this wee mercurial talent. You were like, like James said, I'd, you realise you were, you realise you were watching a good player, but, no way would have envisioned he would go on to achieve what he did. I always thought he would turn into a very good football player and, and things, but never go and do what he's actually done. And then obviously they'd brought in guys like Deco and things. Xavi was there, Iniesta was there. 
Abidal. I mean, I felt sorry for Paul Caddis at right back having to go up against Ronald Daniel. <laughs> yeah. You're quite yourself, not too badly. It done all right, but what a badness we fire that is in, in a game of football. But I've very good. Like, I think it was Naylor crossed in for Hessel and can he just it gets in between. Uh, I think it's Marquez. I think he got a, a head and just well, it's a header and does what Hessel does. Messi then just shows the type of class that he's got. I think he just kind of picks the ball up and just a, a wee drag back and just caresses it. And he's done it millions of times after that as well. A similar just passes the ball and then, like I say, Barry Robson, I, Scott McDonald kind of picked it up in the edge of the box and dinked a mm-hmm. crossover. And it was the weirdest, weirdest header to score ever, I think, because it just seemed to loop away up. Because so, obviously that mm-hmm. was at mind as well. And you just felt like that was gone miles over. And it was like, that's went in. It just somehow mm-hmm. dropped in. And then, but I think that kind of upset Barcelona. And you were like, I think that was kind of late on in the first half. And you're just sitting going, right, get to half time, get to half time at this scoreline. You can re, you can, well, not regroup, but you can have a good chat and chat and say, right, we're 45 minutes away for gain ourselves a fighting chance away for there. They'll mm-hmm. maybe come out and we can catch them on the counter and maybe even somehow take a 3 1. But uh, then Caldwell just does this absolute ludicrous pass, gives it to Henri, then does a crit like anybody that has watched any football doesn't show Henri inside. And he just mm-hmm. shows Henri inside and he curls an absolute amazing, amazing goal. And it's I mean it's a like it's, it's it's a really good goal, but then it's a terrible pass and you just let a guy like Henri run at you and then Messi, like say Messi just scores the winning goal with just caressing it in. I've got his first one mixed up because it was actually Kenny chips it into the top of the net or something. The first one and it does a wee one two at the edge of the box, but uh, I was to think that I think guys like us, you've got to, football fans when it comes to Messi and Ronaldo, I was always Ronaldo, but I was always kind of Ronaldo of late and then. The Messi one just after the World Cup, I think a wee bit of that's made me swayed me Messi. But then I think you've just got to sort of kind of sit back and go, the chances of you being alive is pretty slim. And then the chances <laughs> of you being alive to act at the same time we've seen Messi and Ronaldo's full career, not just part of it, actually seeing their full career is absolutely amazing. And it's just yeah. uh, that guy's an absolute special, special player. I mean, that was the beginnings of an absolute special team. And that, like you say, you're in the Estes and uh, Javi were in there and Eto was about and stuff and, and it's weird you should say that because I, when he said when you say Paul Gaddis at right back I was like what? I need to go and check that team I need to go and check the two to start my lungs that night right? <laughs> it's pretty terrifying it's pretty terrifying Aye. and then the way like the way like they bat they, I hope it was only 1-0 they battered us what I can remember yeah uh, uh, subs that night were Mark Brown Evander Snow Chris Killen and Darren O'Day wow. you know subs were Pinto Silvino Giovanni and Sharam but they brought on <laughs> Javi Good Johnson and Samuel Eto'o <laughs> madness <laughs> Jesus. If that's not a David and Goliath battle, I don't, I don't know what it is. But I think that's one of the things you've got to credit striking sides where they were they were, they were always give a hundred and ten percent. That was um it was a minimum for them really. And um yeah, it's whilst whilst we went out, I think it was yet another campaign of uh, of great memories in the in the Champions League. And um guys, just before we go tonight, um I'm going to what I want to pay tribute to as as we were talking about earlier. First of all. 
Um, someone who he classed as a father figure had, for me, his best season in a Celtic jersey this year, and we've spoke about him a little bit, Aidan McGeady. Um, but when we go back to the the Spartak Moscow penalty shootout, I think one of the most stunning, um, one of those moments captured in time um, when Boric saves the penalty and there's, of course, the, the celebrations and the pile on um, James and it's whoever took the photo I don't know if it was a Celtic employee or if it was someone from the mainstream media it's a, the, the pile on all the players and coaches jump on top of one another and right at the top the most joyous of them all doing a leap of um, unbridled joy is uh, the late great uh, Tommy Burns um, Tommy unfortunately passed away at the end of this season this would have been the last campaign um, that he would have seen before he's, 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 he sadly lost his battle with cancer but I just, so we just thought it'd be good to end the show tonight paying, paying tribute to him. And I've just got, and as I say, it's with um, his stats here. They're from Celtic Wiki, so I'm, 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 they're as accurate as I hope they can be. You know, he, he's, his basic stats is, if you want to call it, is 467 appearances for the club, um, 81 goals. As a player, he won six league titles, four Scottish Cups and a League Cup. Of course, he managed. Uh, the club to, to a Scottish Cup title in 1995 and was head of the Youth Academy um, for many years after that. But I think he's one of those characters, one of those individuals at the club that mere numbers don't even begin to do justice of what he means to the supporters. Um, not just of that generation, not even just of, of our generation, but the legacy he leaves behind. And uh, I just thought we'd pay to it. I'll let you go first, Um just sort of debate what, what, what Tommy Burns, what he, the man means to you. I thought it was that. Oh, yeah, that was for you, James. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, um, well, there is a story about Julius Caesar travelling through a, a village in Gaul and um, one of his fellow officers said to him, can you imagine living in a place like this? Can you imagine being leader in a place like this? And Caesar said, I would rather be the first man here than the second man in Rome. Hmm. And Burns could have been the first man at just about any club in Britain that he chose because he had a very modern outlook in management terms, he had, he, had a, he had a difficult time at Celtic. He got too emotionally involved um, as Celtic manager, but he had a football philosophy that was years ahead of its time. Mm -hmm. And he had learned a lot of things in his, you know, in the year before he became manager, traveling around the Ajax and all that and taking all these lessons. And he could have gone on and been a manager anywhere else. And he preferred to be a coach at Celtic Park. That's how much our club meant to him. Um, and in a, in a modern era where a guy like Jackie Marcus gives you 18 months and people want to discuss whether or not he's left a legacy, Tommy Burns left a legacy. No, I can't really put it much better than that. What about yourself, Franny? Just a few words to what the great man means to you. I obviously, I can't remember him as a player. It's more as a coach and, and manager and things I can remember him as a manager again it was a lot of the football I went to with my dad back then and stuff I think it was actually at Hamden his season as well where we went um, but then 
bringing in guys like Decario, Cadet, and Hoydonk and stuff like James said, that was playing free up front. He was well, he was well ahead of his time, well ahead of his time playing free up front and stuff. Um, but it was seeing the joy in his face when we won that Scottish Cup as well. What that meant to him, he knew what it meant to the club. He knew what it meant to the fans. He had that statement. I can't remember. I think it was Brown Moore had said, and not was Monty saying how they're there. They're always there, and things like that. He's got all that behind him, but. I was just the guy. The guy lived the dream. He, pl- he played for Celtic. He captain Celtic. He, ma- he managed Celtic. He was probably a ball boy as well. He just Celtic was. It was for him. It, a bit of general generational thing. It's. It was just one club was all he needed, and it was Celtic was that club. He just he absolutely loved the club. The fans absolutely loved him. It was you hear it. Guy, like I, I like that open goal. Even Cy Ferry speaks highly of him. Like you hear tons of ex players, like a lot of the younger, the younger players anyway, from that uh, the youth setup, how good he was for them. I think he even ran some of the, like gave them some of the lift back and forth for training and things like that. So, I uh, there's there isn't enough words to properly describe the guy, but I uh, just an absolute. It'll, it'll always be remembered as being. It will be a sort of a, a Mr Celtic, so to speak. I, th- I think so. And, uh, you know, I think it goes without saying that the club was sort of emblazoned on his soul, uh, so to speak. And I think it was quite fitting that, as James was saying earlier, it was a campaign that domestically we were behind for, for very long periods and it looked like we weren't going to do it. And uh, against all odds, we, uh, we won it up at Tanadice uh, on the Thursday night in May, a place where he himself had scored the winning goal um, many years previously to, to win um, in a 4-2 win that year and they won the, the old Premier Division title. It was quite a fitting ground uh, for Celtic to win it at that year and as his our title winning T-shirts uh, just said that night, the, the perfect picture of him where uh, his hands joined um, almost in a, a prayer-like pose um, with his Celtic jersey on. It just simply said, you're always with us and you'll never walk alone. Um, I think that kind of pretty much sums it up. Um, he was just, a, for me, an unequivocal Celtic legend and uh, the club. And, and I think the whole of football is a, a lesser place uh, for Tommy not being there. But um, we certainly paid tribute to him that season with uh, with winning the title against all odds. Uh, but in terms of tonight's show, boys, that sort of, Wraps up this uh, this little trip down memory lane. Uh, have you enjoyed yourself, firstly, Franny? Ah, it's been good. It's been good just to to reminisce and depress myself that I've not got a season ticket anywhere. Remember, not just getting Ah, you never know. You never know. Maybe that waiting list. Maybe we all that the the money that we've um, got in the bank, we might stick another tier on that south stand, and that waiting list will uh, come down a little bit, and you'll be able to get back in. Uh, somebody will need to convince my girlfriend first, but I can get away for the weekend with, it, with two wins and leave the two wins with her. <laughs> oh, it's a, fortnight, it's a fortnightly uh, duel for me, mate. It can be a task. Uh, and yourself, James, it's all, always great to have you on, mate. Have you enjoyed it? I have, mate. Uh, the only thing better than talking about Celtic is watching Celtic. So yeah. it was great, mate, as ever. Uh, absolutely. Well, as I say, well, I hope we'll have you back on again soon. It's been... Uh, it's been a great little trip down memory lane tonight. And, of course, um, good luck to the boys tomorrow in Scottish Cup action. Uh, 5.30 kick-off, uh, boys, tomorrow night, live on the Viaplay channel and um, fire sticks up and down the country. So, um, yeah, <laughs> all the best. And uh, wherever you're watching the game tomorrow, 
Here's hoping uh, it's a relatively hassle-free uh, exit and the trip into the, the quarterfinals exactly. for the boys. So uh, enjoy the, your football over the weekend, guys, and we'll be back on Monday night to review all things uh, Scottish Cup match against St Mirren. Cheers yeah. and hail, hail. Speak soon. <laughs>